This morning's title is Get It, Got It, Good, and uh, you'll understand that more completely as uh, we get into uh, the, the message. Isaiah chapter 9, uh, beginning in the sixth verse, it says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then if you'd roll over with me into the New Testament, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, picking up in the 10th verse, says, then, then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth peace, goodwill towards men. In your notes, I've defined peace. In the Old Testament, it comes from the uh, the Hebrew word shalom. And, it, and the word shalom is, is broadly defined. Uh, it was used over 250 times in the Old Testament alone. It's the way that People entered into a conversation, and it's the way they left a conversation. So whenever they would interact with someone, they would pronounce shalom or peace upon the conversation, upon the person, upon the setting, and the location. And then upon their departure, they would declare and ask shalom be with them as they go through the rest of their duties and activities of the day. But shalom is a broad is broadly used uh, because of the multitude of ways in which it's expressed and experienced by the people of God. And this is exclusive to the covenant people of God. When we talk about peace this morning, we're not just talking about something that sort of uh, soothes our conscience or our guilt or our remorse, but we talk about something that removes it. We talk about the complete removal of all sin and all shame because of the peace of God. So when the Hebrew people would would say shalom, what they were saying is, we desire and ask God to bring harmony and wholeness, completeness, oneness, prosperity, welfare, wellness unto you. Well, we roll this over into the the New Testament, and in order to do that properly, every truth that is, is transposed from the Old Testament into the New Testament has to come through the cross. And that's how it becomes something that we live in and that we experience. So the shalom of God was not just for the Hebrew people. It was for all people of all nations. Now, of course, God had a covenant with the nation of Israel. But through his covenant with Israel, it was not to be exclusive unto them, but they were to share the good news of God's uh, commandments with others and other nations therefore could make a decision that they wanted to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Well, when we look at this in light of the cross, when Jesus came, he was called to the lost house of the sheep of Israel, but he suffered and died for all of humanity. He suffered for a whole, the whole entire 
nations of the world, all the nations of the world. So when shalom transfers from the Old Testament into the New Testament, everything comes with it, including this quietness of one's heart, the quietness of one's heart or having peace in one's innermost being, the deepest recesses of who we are, our spirit. When peace is at work, and the evidence or the fruit of peace is nothing missing and nothing is broken, which reminds us and it implies this truth. There are things that are missing and things that are broken in our life without God's intervention of peace. No matter how hard we work at reconciling it, of making our wrongs right, or trying to earn or merit some kind of favor, status, or relationship with God, apart from peace, God's intervention, it's impossible. It cannot be done. Therefore, peace is necessary in order for us to be at oneness, wholeness, completeness with God. Without peace, there is no reconciliation because there is no reconciler. Jesus is the reconciler. There is one mediator between God and man. He is the man, Christ Jesus. And Jesus' title is the Prince of Peace. That's why the Son was given. That's why he was born, so he could fulfill his role, do the things that God had assigned him to do, so that we who were separated from God could be united and made one in him again. And this peace that we have is not anything that we can take credit for. All the glory and the honor goes to God. Here's some interesting truths and things that we need to consider when it comes to the subject matter and the person of peace. The opposite of peace is not war or conflict, but confusion. Scripture clearly says, for God is not the author of confusion or chaos, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And this is from the Apostle Paul's writing to the Corinthians in chapter 14, when this church, which was coming out of carnality, coming out of a very, very, very challenging culture, and, and coming over and understanding what it meant to exclusively serve God and God alone and not serve self, well, they were conflicted or confused about the way that they should worship and what really mattered and what had importance so there was a lot of instability, there was a lot of gossip, and there was a lot of strife and debate within this congregation, and it was causing the conflict. Where did the conflict come from? It came from people being confused. And that confusion was the result of them being double-minded. And the result of being double-minded is we just haven't settled some issues and allowed God to settle some issues and some conflicts within us. And so we're pulled between two opinions. Scripture talks about the mind of Christ, but it also talks about the mind of the flesh. The mind of the flesh and the mind of Christ are at odds with one another. They're not mutually exclusive. They're the sun and the moon. They're, they're the north and the south pole. They, they don't see things the same way. They don't look at life through the same lens. So the mind of the flesh is mindful of what? The flesh. And the mind of Christ is mindful of the things of the spirit. 
That's why scripture says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was the highest and the greatest, he humbled himself and became the servant of all, even unto the point of death, the death of the cross. So this work of Christ, this this person of Christ uh, who came and served us in our brokenness so that we could be made whole and in our confusion so that we could have clarity deserves our praise. He deserves exclusive worship. We should not share praise or glory or honor with any other thing or any other person. He alone is before all and through him all things were made. We sang about that this morning And that's a truth that we need to be reminded of because we're being pulled by the mind of the flesh constantly to just take care of things in a carnal or fleshly way, which never produces the results of the spirit. The results of of the spirit bring is reconciliation and it produces peace where we get our hands involved with something we call it muddying the water. Have you ever muddied the water? Your, your intentions were good. You were going to do something that was honorable, but the more we got involved and the more we thought our ways were going to work, the muddier the water got and the worst scenario began to take place. I've muddied the waters. I, I've allowed the mind of the flesh at times to to tell me that this is the way it will be and this is the way it'll work and many times I'm humbled and reminded once again it's the flesh profits nothing it's the spirit that gives life it's the spirit that helps us so when God's peace is at work one's life is put back in order and that's the result or the fruit of nothing missing and nothing broken and this is going to be an ongoing work of God's spirit as long as we're here We're going to have to learn how to allow the spirit to help us to live harmoniously and and, in wholeness, completeness, oneness, and allow his blessings of prosperity, welfare, and wellness to be a part of our existence. So the next paragraph in your notes denotes this. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Otherwise, we would have to leave this world. And everyone who is here understands it's not the absence of a storm or conflict. Rather, it is the result of the completed work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Ephesians chapter two is our next reading that reminds us of this great truth. And Paul writing to the church at Ephesus in chapter two and verse 14 through 17 teaches us this for he himself talking about Jesus is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition how having abolished or absolutely destroyed in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace and that he might reconcile or bring together them both to God in one body, how? Through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. 
And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and those who are near. That means he came and he preached both to Jews and to Gentiles, to all people groups. For through him we both, all people, Jews and Gentiles, have access by one spirit to the Father. This work of Jesus, when he came, the incarnation spoke of God mediating. He was 100% humanity, 100% deity. He was born and he came exactly the way scripture says. And we're going to look at why the first Christmas is uh, so enlightening when it comes to peace here in a moment. But let's continue to look at some of our notes. It says the purpose of God's peace is to bring about harmonious relationships between God and mankind. This could only be done through the sacrificial work of Christ on the cross, his suffering. So this is what Paul was reminding us about. The ordinances. Everyone who understands, you know, civil ordinances knows that they are the laws that govern a people or a community. So for the Hebrew people, it would be the law, the commandments, the statutes that were given unto them. That was what the ordinances were in the Old Testament. And it was impossible, absolutely impossible for us to keep all of those commandments, those statutes, all of the things that were written in the law because of one reason. Man by sinful nature is a lawbreaker. We look at ways of bending the law, breaking the law, creating our own laws, going about establishing our own ways. And so since it was impossible for us to fulfill the commandments and the statutes and, and the laws that were given unto to mankind by God to govern their life, Christ assumed the responsibility of fulfilling them for us because it was impossible for us to do so. And when he did that, he took something that was impossible for man, and this is the fulfillment of that. With man, it is impossible, but what? But with God, all things are possible. This is talking about taking someone in, in a situation where there is, they can never be reconciled. They can never come into a place of having harmonious relationship and being whole and free from brokenness and restoring all of that by assuming man's liabilities and inabilities to keep the law and suffering for it as a result upon the cross, he has brought us together. The sacrifice was so complete and so perfect that there needs to be no more sacrifices ever. The sacrifices we offer to God now are the sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving and to live a sacrificial life of faith and obedience to God. But we cannot sacrifice any other way but through the means and the expression of obedience and gratitude and faith towards God because he did what we couldn't do so we could have peace and be reconciled with God. So this purpose of God, this to bring about harmonious relationships, remind us of the greatness of Jesus coming. 
And that's why we're gathering to remember this advent, this arrival, this coming of Jesus was to fulfill everything that we could not fulfill so that we could be fulfilled in our relationship with him. So the fullness of God could come in to the earth through Christ so we could experience the fullness of God's mercy and grace. I've reminded you in a truth that we've been taught many times, but it's good to hear it again so it gets rooted and established in us that there's three ways God's peace is at work within us because of the New Testament. Remember, the New Testament is here because of the cross and because of the victory of the cross and the glory of the resurrection. So the three ways in which God's peace is manifesting to people And available is peace from God, the peace with God, and the peace of God. So these expressions of peace is the cure for a troubled heart, peace from God. Peace with God removes the guilt that's associated with sin by justifying us to God. How are we justified? We're justified through the work of Christ, and that's the work of faith. And the peace of God manifests as we pray. It guards our hearts in mind. and minds in Christ Jesus. So I want to encourage you to read these portions of Scripture. Circle words that jump off the page at you, highlight, journal, and take a moment and thank God for the peace that comes from Him, the peace we have with Him, and the peace of God that takes hold of our heart and mind when we pray. Isaiah 26.3 says, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in him. And then Paul reminds us in Colossians chapter 3 that we should let the peace of God rule in our hearts to which we were called in one body and we should be thankful. Uh, I want to draw your attention back to uh, the Advent reading that Kate brought to us this morning in Matthew's Gospel, if you would go there, chapter 1. And let's get a real-life example of God bringing peace and providing peace during his arrival. The very first coming of our Lord. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, engaged, before they came together or had intimate relationships, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So he's now really conflicted. Confusion has entered into this relationship. Uh, the joy of being engaged and uh, all the planning and preparation that went into uh, uh, the, the wedding, uh, which, which was extensive. Uh, the Hebrew people celebrated for up to a week before uh, the ceremony. And then during the first year of a couple being married, uh, they uh, did not have to work uh, in the marketplace. Uh, their families provided for them. It gave them an opportunity to uh, share their lives together and uh, to really uh, build a foundation uh, for their home. Uh, this is this is the case because many of their marriages were uh, prearranged by the families. But uh, the uh, 
you know, the, the, fa- the families uh, celebrated and there was a, a tremendous amount of honor and respect that was shown unto, uh, unto the parents as they uh, worked together to serve their children to help them to have a successful and a fruitful uh, life and, uh, and to have a, a really prosperous, uh, you know, uh, time in, uh, in their marriage. Uh, so uh, everyone was all in and, and uh, now, uh, so, uh, you know, we would say a, a wrench has been thrown into the mix and, and a, a significant, a significant wrench. Uh, man, I, I want you to just go back uh, to the, the the time where uh, where you uh, you know were engaged and you asked uh, your spouse to be a part of your life and uh, and uh, and uh, you know three months later she says you know hey I, I need to break some news to you I need to share something with you and and she breaks the news that she's expecting and and you haven't uh, had any relationships with her that uh, could cause her to be in that condition uh, what would would what would run through your mind and her rationale her explanation for that is uh and i haven't been with anybody i've been with god god came to me in the person of the holy spirit and and what's happened to me is i i am pregnant because of the holy spirit now keep in mind god has been silent for 400 years up until this very moment Angels now appear and and visions and dreams begin to happen and prophecies begin to take place. And and Mary says to Joseph, after 400 years of silence in the nation of Israel, Joseph, I I, I don't know how to say this. I I don't know any other way to say it. I'm expecting. And, And he would say, is it an old flame? Is it, is it, is it someone that I know? Is it someone that, that, uh, you know, is part of our village? Are they part of, of, you know, how did this happen? Can you explain this to me? And she shares, no, I, I, mind in my own business and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit comes and, and there's an angel and he announces that I, I have found favor with God and, and that I would uh, bear a son and I, his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us, and uh, and and Elizabeth, and, and even talked about Elizabeth and talked about this. You would leave as perplexed as Joseph did. All peace about going forward in this relationship has just left the building. It has disappeared, and and you're left to your own rationale and your own practical, logical mind. What conclusion would you come to? This is this is where I would go. I guess I really don't know Charlene. I mean, I. She said she wanted to marry me. She said she wanted to be with me. She said she was going to be mine. But that is the biggest fish story I've heard ever. That beats Jonah. That's got Jonah's story beat by a long shot. And this, this rational, pragmatic, practical kind of thinking would start to enter in. You're saying, no, no, it would, it would never happen. It would never happen. You'd have to fight off jealousy, envy. It would strike a blow at your ego, men. 
what's wrong with me that she would maybe consider somebody else? You ever struggled with jealousy, envy? You ever been concerned that your wife doesn't have just exclusive affections or adorations or love for you? You Have you ever wondered? I wonder if, I wonder if she's really at the mall. I wonder if she's really grocery shopping. I wonder what's really going on. Have thoughts like that ever crossed anyone's mind? The enemy is a master at trying to bring scenarios that aren't even factual or true into people's lives for the very purpose of trying to create what? Confusion. And if he can get us conflicted with confusion, he can get us double-minded, and then we become unstable, he is just as happy as he can be. So this is where this account is. If we really want to dive into the text and ponder and think about it, uh, we wouldn't have just initially taken God at his word. We struggle at sometimes doing that right now. And yet we're on the other side of the cross in a resurrection and we still have questions and deal with doubts and are concerned about unbeliefs because of what? The mind of the flesh is at enmity against God and the only way it can be reconciled is through the work of the Holy Spirit. So we'll continue to read here and it says, but while he thought... About these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is, is of the Holy Spirit. When faith comes by hearing, fear begins to be removed. When we're conflicted and confused, fear is really at the driver's steering wheel. It's, It's... causing a lot of consternation within someone's emotions. But I like that Joseph was pondering, he was thinking, even though he was torn and even though, you know, uh, there wasn't oneness and there wasn't wellness in this relationship, yet the story of the first Christmas reminds us of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Peace on earth. Peace came. And when peace came, fear left. And when peace came, clarity came. When peace came, faith came. This is how valuable peace is. And so, verse 21, this is uh, the message that continues from the angel to Joseph. And she shall bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he'll save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife and took him uh, his wife. And he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name. He called his name Jesus. So life, uh, life is real. The things that happen in our life, uh, the, the scenarios that we experience, the, uh, at times the confusion that tries to enter in because of that. You know, I thought I, I was, you know, doing all things well. Uh, both Joseph and Mary were chosen by God, which meant that, that Joseph first and foremost had to qualify. And, and he did. He was of the household of David. Uh, he was an honorable and faithful and, and and man had a good reputation within the community, uh, within and he had the means to take care of Mary. He was already a skilled artesian carpenter, 
which means he worked with more than just wood. He worked with every building material that was available to them at that time. So we could say he was a master a stonemaker, and, and he was a sculptor, and he was a woodworker, and he was a builder of, of not only uh, buildings but of furnitures. So he had the skills to provide for his wife. He had the reputation of righteous and nobility among the community, and he was of the line of David, and therefore God tapped him on the shoulder and used him. He didn't know that he was going to be a part of this work of God, but he was a God-fearing man, and he loved the Lord. So he's, he's now, you know, prior to the angel's visitation while he's asleep, you know, he's wondering, as we would, what have I done? What a, I thought I was doing everything right, and this is why peace is necessary. You and I can do everything right, and we still live in a world with a lot of wrongs. And peace, God's peace, allows us to navigate all the wrongs rightly. Because... The conflicts, the misunderstanding, the confusion that is a part of what's going on in the world today is the result of the fall of man. And therefore, in the, in the garden, and therefore the need for the reconciliation between God and man. Parents can raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and wonder how some, some would go the path of a prodigal, and some would stay faithful to the Lord. Because we live in a world where there's temptation, there's a tempter, there are choices, there are avenues that that people can make. But God, in his provision through Christ, does not want us to lose his peace. He wants his peace at that moment to be the one that settles the dispute and the arguments in our heart or in our mind. He wants peace to be the umpire. And that's what Paul talked about. Let the peace of God rule in your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The word rule there is where we get the English word referee or umpire. The referee or the umpire doesn't determine what is going on within each team, they're just there to oversee or officiate what's going on so that there's no conflict and so that everything is played out with equity. And that's what peace does in our heart through Christ is when we're, we have an opponent, we have an adversary, and the spirit of this age, and the ways of this world. And so God's peace is there to govern or to umpire so we would conduct ourselves in a way that it would not infect us negatively. Let the peace of God permit it to rule in your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus, his work of reconciliation through the cross, let God's peace come. So, have you ever said this? I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Have you ever said it dramatically? With a lot of emphasis on 
I'm completely confused. I don't know what to do. Vinnie Barbarino. I'm so confused. Back to welcome back, Cotter. I'm sorry. I aged myself. What what in the world? What in the world? What's the next step? I, I, I just I'm I'm conflicted. I'm at that moment. The Prince of Peace is always accessible and always available. Where? In your heart. Let the peace of God rule. Drama is another way that we could categorize confusion. Anybody ever had drama? You know, drama uh, is 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 in uh, high. Uh, it's in high quantity right now. I mean, there, there's there's. Any, any situation can escalate to drama almost at the turn of a conversation. Any intention can be questioned and be turned into a drama. And then people say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to, I, I, I'm, I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. And they, they look up in the heavens. They look down at the earth. They look all over. And they need to be, once again, reminded of the peace of God. This is why... Peace came. Joseph was in that scenario. If we go back to our text, Joseph didn't know what to do. I, I, I don't know to marry her. I, I think it'd be better if I just privately, you know, annulled the relationship and uh, and I, I went my way and she went her way and I, I you know, I, I just parted. And yet, while he was considering what he was going to do, God broke in and said, "This is what I want you to do." This, this is what helps us when we're conflicted is I don't know what to do. I don't know which direction to go. I don't, then in order to eliminate that confusion, we need God's peace to be the umpire, to be the one that brings about harmony. And why? Because when we're saying, I don't know what we're saying is something is missing. I'm missing a piece of information. I'm, I'm missing a clue or something is broken. Something has happened and Things just aren't well anymore. This is where God's intervention through Christ, peace on earth, goodwill towards men, steps in. This is part of your covenant promise. This is the provision of the cross. This is part of the salvation package, God's peace. So I want to encourage us all to let the peace of God rule in our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want to close by reminding you that when the angel spoke to Joseph, he took him back to Scripture. So can I encourage you, if you're ever between a rock and a hard place, and we are there at times and will be there because of the world that we live in, When you're in between a rock and a hard place, let me encourage you, go back to Scripture and let it settle what you should do. How you should behave, what your attitude should be, what your conduct should be. Go back to the Scripture. I love this quote by D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody says, when I pray, I talk to God. But when I open the Bible, God talks to me. 
The one that can settle that dispute is the one who's worthy because he is the Prince of Peace. Go back to Scripture. When you're thinking, 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 and you've overthought, go back. And the promise is from Isaiah, I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Then the last phrase, because you trust in me. Because you trust in me. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.